So, Chief Murray, I, we just want to start by saying thank you so, so much for spending time with us. We know you're passionate about AFSA. We know it gets you fired up. And we are so honored to be here. Uh, we have podcasts, and we're also active duty service members. And our podcasts are focused on making those around us better by sharing stories, by highlighting testimonies, stories of resiliency, of getting through mental health issues. So a lot of the things that, you know, we didn't really put out there and talk about as the, the Air Force is changing, it's, it, the conversations are happening and we're embracing it and we're creating a space for it. And AFSA saw that, recognized it, and they had invited us out here uh, to interview airmen from all different uh, stages of their career. And so when we saw you come by to say hi, you know, we had to get you to drop in. So thank you so much. Well, thank you. Well, tell me a little, I, and with that, uh, I see UMW, UMU. So UMU is what? It's us mentoring us. So UMU is a social media-based leadership development mentorship platform. So we talk about everything from resiliency to uh, career development, and even things as far as once members are getting ready to retire, preparation for retire. We even talk about real estate investing. We have panel members come on and they talk about uh, what it's like to be a dual military couple. We've had female panels. Uh, one of the most interesting things we've done in the last few years was we had a panel of all E-9s from across all the services. So Air Force, Army, uh, Navy, Marines, and even Coast Guard, and they share their stories. And what we kind of do is collect information, network, and share that information with all our members. Right. So yes, you, you mentoring you. Us, yep. So oh, us. us mentoring you. All right, super. So yep. not uh, university of some, you know. <laughs> no, sir. It's us mentoring us. So us, us from within. Us, us mentoring us. us. That's yeah, fantastic. A, as you know, you know coming up, uh, there were certain conversations that you weren't necessarily privy to uh, that, you know, wasn't being had. So you could be in a certain circle and understand information and get that information. Right. However, we're, we're broadcasting it to a bigger platform so that everyone can gain that knowledge oh, and be more mentor. That is just great because, you know, and, and I certainly hope that I, you know, it's like when I'm uh, out there on stage that I come across uh, to airmen, you know, with that understanding. That dialogue is so important. Discussion of issues, uh, discussion of, you know, various things uh, that are, you know, in our, from in our society, in our country that's going on in the force, you know, the things that maybe affect someone's feeling about, you know, rank. I mean, because the announcement about the force structure changes and, and all those things are important to be able to bring out and, and help people understand so that they can either bring out, you know, and make sure that the, the right knowledge is there or how people feel about things, uh, you know, there and work through it. And But then, of course, I, I kind of go back also is that, and I do believe it is so important, uh, you know, because of our service of what we do, why we exist, uh, you know, the very purpose that we serve is that we understand things have to be in priority. Uh, as well and if we let you know something then dominate over dominate and take away from that focus on the military readiness aspect then we're not doing our justice to why the purpose of why we serve but that said we can't let that purpose or something else be able to overshadow uh, you know and that's where we you know throughout history and time sometimes I'll just keep it under the rug you know or you know let's just not surface an issue Issue or something there because it's not important. Well, it is important to, there to be able to bring that out. But sometimes it's about where and how and when uh, that you do as well. 
Yes, sir. No, absolutely. That's exactly why we, we created this space because it, it has intent behind it. It's not chaos. It's it's hearing someone, it's seeing someone, it's giving them the spotlight in a controlled environment. Uh, so it's very it's a very effective approach at having that person be seen and heard and hearing their story. And so I mean that's why I love, you know, what we do because it is effective and it is intentional. Because I have seen it the other way where it's chaotic and people getting all fired up for the wrong reasons and getting it. And, and there's really no uh, outlet to that. You know what I mean? And so this kind of creates an outlet for those things. Uh, and they feel supported you know, during those conversations. There's a lot of empathy in the conversation. So growing uh, as a force together, these platforms have uh, kind of taken that to the next level. And I know you kind of had uh, something you wanted to ask them about that. So that's going to kind of help us transition to our first question we have for you, Chief. Um, so you talked about on stage that you still maintain a connection to him. So tell me in detail, what does that look like from your perspective on a daily basis? What does it look like for you to be connected with him? How do you keep connected with him? It comes in, in multiple ways. Uh, you heard Chief Roy talk about the fact that, uh, you know, this is a commitment for life. Uh, being the chief, and, and, and ultimately that was a part of the conversation that I had to have with my wife when uh, I was nominated uh, to be Chief Master of the Air Force. Not that I thought that at the time that I was going to be, but if I were, if, I, if it did occur, she, we need to understand, both of us had to understand, and, and, and of course, the fact that she and I have been married longer than I've been in the, than been in the Air Force, this, just like my, our commitment of marriage is for life, this is a commitment also to airmen for life. Uh, Paul Airy set that example for us. Every Chief Master Sergeant of the Air Force since Paul Airy, in one way or the other, has maintained their commitment in some very close. You know, with that, these panels that are here through AFSA, Senior NCO Academy, traveling to bases, being, you know, being invited, being a guest speaker at things and all. So, you know, one is that aspect of, the, you know, this title that we hold, and of the position we held, is a lifetime commitment to our force, you know. The other piece of it, though, is the things that I have chosen in my you know, life after the Air Force is as well. Uh, from going to work for Lockheed Martin, a uh, defense contractor, and some people, well, dirty rotten contractor, you know, type thing. Well, for me, it was an opportunity to continue to serve because Lockheed Martin is a defense contractor and primarily United States defense contractor. Everything that they do, build, service they provide, and everything, again, is going to the service of this nation. And they gave me an opportunity, and so in many ways, I felt like that was a continuation of me to be able to move from you know nearly 30 years in uniform to not wearing the uniform but still contributing to the defense of our nation and then you where really that comment about staying close to the issues and things today as the chairman of the board of AFA the Air and Space Forces Association our mission in AFA is to promote the dominance of air and space forces as the foundation of national defense, to support our airmen and guardians, and respect our heritage. And we have three elements of that, education, advocacy, and support. 
I've spent a number of time, you know, over the last three years on on the Hill, Capitol Hill, visiting with senators and congressmen and advocating on behalf of our airmen and airmen's issues. Um, most of that is more towards the lines of the resources our airmen need, the funding, the capitalization of aircraft and all, but it also comes down to a reminder again uh, the importance of the airmen and what airmen and guardians serve in the force and the fact that we're under resourced, there's a there's pass-through money that's not recognizing equality, and it's really not even equality, a national defense requires that come from air and space forces and so in that regard I've got to keep myself very close to the issues and how that's affecting uh, you know our airmen today what our airmen think about it the expresses uh, the express needs and that goes from the highest strategic level uh, in you know in keeping a relationship with the Secretary of the Air Force, the Chief of Staff of the Air Force, multiple layers of the Air Force, all the way down to younger airmen. So you heard me talk about this Legends Tour that we're doing. Uh, you know, we, and, and again, you're looking at people who are no less committed to me, you know, with former General, you know, Chairman of the Joint Chiefs, General Myers, General Jumper, General Robinson, General Newton, uh, you know, Chief Buddy Hutchinson, uh, you know, Chief Finch last week, uh, Chief Tapia, uh, former, you know, Command Chief AATC. He'll be joining me next week in Seymour Johnson. Awesome. And then we'll go. So that keeping that connection to kind of the pulse of the force. And then the other is, is that that network with the Chief Master of the Air Force. Chief Bass makes sure that before new announcements are made or or that as they're working priorities and issues, she keeps us formers uh, involved uh, in that. Uh, it, it's that little quip story about Chief McCoy calling him and saying, "Chief, before I make the before I announce this decision, I need to let you know." You know, a little respect, a little you know professional courtesy there. But those are the various uh, things. The Air Force Museum, of course, uh, you know, in Dayton, Ohio, the National, which is the National Museum of the United States Air Force. It's a national treasure. Serving on its foundation board then is keeping that connection. And, and I would tell you that you need to go visit the museum now and see how we're integrating the enlisted deeper and deeper in those that serve, you know, and where, you know, because it's our mantra, if you will, is telling their stories. It's not just a place to park, you know, different aircraft and satellites and, you know, and rockets and things of that nature. It's really telling the stories of those who served, you know, and we've all heard the stories of the Robin Rands and the, and the Doolittles and Doolittle Raiders, uh, you know, and on and on uh, there, Curtis LeMay and all. Well, and and now you can go and you can read about airmen so and so, or you can see the uh, aircraft uh, in Vietnam. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry, you go back to um, the uh, Berlin airlift. Many people don't know that most of the many of the airmen that were loading the cargo in during the Berlin airlift are were African Americans. And yet you just saw their silhouette. I mean, I mean, a, you know, the mannequin dressed there in their uniform. Well, now we've researched and we can tell you who they were. We have been able to go back in archives and everything and start telling the story. And why were there so many African-Americans with that? And what unit were they at that were doing that? Uh, and so now that's, again, 
I, I know it's a long answer and it's going around to it, but that's about you know what I think is important of keeping being informed and staying informed. So it's dealing at the highest levels of issues of the force, you know, all the way to making sure that and, you know, and that's what I like about the AF. I mean, you you said I, I'm passionate about AFSA, and I am. The Air Force Sergeant Association been around since 1964, started, uh, you know, by a master sergeant, actually three uh, master sergeants uh, there that started this organization. What a great organization and hosting. Uh, but yet the same thing, I'm as passionate about the Air Force Association, or now Air Force, Air and Space Forces Association, AFA, that's been around longer than the Air Force, and by the way, founded, one of the founding members was Tech Sergeant Woody Vossler, Medal of Honor recipient. A lot of people don't know that AFA's board of direct, first board of directors had five NCOs uh, on the board of directors. People used to think it was an officer association, but we recognize Chief McCoy today. Not only did I serve, walk in his footsteps as Chief Master of the Air Force, he was also the first president and chairman of the board of the association as well back in 1993 to 1996. That's amazing. That's some history. Yeah. That is, I, I love your answer, sir, because you gave us a little bit of why it's important to stay in touch, to stay aware of our history, and where to get our current uh, events and to stay in touch with the Awesome. Thank you, sir. Yes, sir. Hey, I, I don't know why this just came to me in the moment that I just had to ask you, because I do ask it to a lot of people. But I, I want to hear your unique answer, sir. And that is, what was your proudest Air Force moment? Oh, gosh. Um, I haven't had that question before uh, there. And uh, uh, proudest Air Force moment. You know. So many. There are so many. I, in, you know, in the, but... You know, I keep a picture on my desk, and again, it's about making sure that I recognize and keep my focus on what's most important in life. When I returned from my second long deployment to Kuwait, from Kuwait uh, in 1996, uh, you know, because Desert Shield, Desert Storm took me out for seven and a half months. Uh, and I left two young boys at the house uh, with Sherry with two young boys. 1996, I was actually had to take and bring and move an A-10 unit, uh, shut down at McCord Air Force Base, moved to Moody Air Force Base in Georgia. We were given 90, 90 days to take a unit from, from bed down to F, uh, FOC, full operational capability. That's normally a year to a year and a half process. Uh, they'll be able to go IOC, initial operating capability, then full operation capability to make sure you've got all of your resources, you've exercised and prepared. We had 90 days to be able to do that uh, because we were given an edict that we were going to be the fourth rotation A-10 unit back into Kuwait to be able to keep Saddam Hussein at bay from re-attacking uh, Kuwait uh, after that. Uh, that accomplishment was absolutely just incredible to be able to do that. The picture, though, that I mentioned is the fact that my wife was pregnant with our third child through that time period. Uh, that deployment went all the way up to her due date, uh, and uh, I took the first, uh, you know, instead of normally what I would be the last aircraft out with all of my airmen, 
uh, the colonel said, you get on that aircraft chief, a C-5, with our first load of equipment back to Moody. Uh, and I got back two days before my daughter was born, Elizabeth, the baby. Uh, all right, now you roll that forward now to the second deployment uh, and uh, is that, um, is, I'm sorry, that was 94. The second deployment then back out was a 20-hour notice. Oh, and in geez. that 20-hour notice, we deployed, packed out, and we spent five and a half months in Bahrain. Now I'm coming back to that baby that was born right two days after the last deployment to be a two-year-old. And it's the picture of me holding Elizabeth with her holding an American flag uh, oh. on the flight line with me in my DCUs, my desert camouflage uniform uh, there. And uh, what a moment uh, that was. And that has, is always there, that reminder. Through that is where then taking those experiences and as I went into the Pentagon post 9-11, but working towards that is to have an Air Force that understood and was having the right priorities of being an expeditionary Air Force. And one of the things we worked hard on there, tempo for airmen, uh, you know, understanding the dynamics of a force that could be deployed on a moment's notice or in preparation of readiness cycles that had to come to be able to give people predictability and everything. So all of those things culminate uh, into the work that I, I thought was just so valuable back in that time frame. It always comes back to that picture with me and that two-year-old girl. I don't, I don't want to skip a key leadership thing that happened here. Your commander sending you on that first plane to make sure that you came uh, to see your daughter uh, being born is something that we can't, you know, you can't miss because that's that's a, a, a attribute uh, from a commander that is is needed is is warranted especially in today's air force uh where we're balancing you know our work and family uh but to revert back to you know staying in touch with the airmen uh chief gaylor you know mentioned him being on facebook and uh you know we are a social media platform uh so one question that i did when i asked you is you know as we evolve and we get into that technology age what is your take on social media uh, being a very big influencer on getting out information uh, to, to today's Air Force? <laughs> you know, my first question, my first answer to the response to that is I'm glad I didn't have social media to deal with when I was Chief Master Air Force. <laughs> Email was enough, but, yes, you know, back then. I, but it is incredibly important. It's an important platform, uh, you know, if it's used correctly. You know, in my day at Senior NCO Academy, they taught an exercise called the inbox exercise. And uh, it's a valuable lesson for, you know, the use of social media. So you go to work one day and you've got an inbox on your desk, all right? And, uh, and in that inbox, and it's stacked up very high with, you know, things that have come in. And you need to work that inbox down. All right, and so you start on it and you open the first thing and you look at it and everything. Okay, it's going to require that I've got I've to get some type of report or something and I've got to do this. And then the other one's going to, I've got to have to write this, uh, you know, paper and I can do this. And then you go, and as you go on down, and if you're taking it one at a time from the top down, you fail to recognize that buried in that, uh, you know, down in that inbox is an immediate action requirement by your commander that has to be done and accomplished now. 
And then if you look through the others that you find various priorities that if you really take that inbox and you dissected it, you know, through it is that you would rearrange it from the priorities that are absolutely immediate to a very low priority. I can get to it in a week's time. So I'm, it's a kind of a roundabout way about your question about, again, how best to be able to use, you know, social media uh, in a means to be able to communicate, uh, you know, and communication goes multiple directions uh, there. But, it, you know, from the standpoint of a leader using uh, social media, it should not be haphazard. It should not be reactionary. There are means and times to be reactionary at something and comment on something. But if it's depending on the priority of the communication, then should depend on to what extent of thought that goes into that of, you know, timing and of course anything about communication. I put social media right into the realms of communication like you and I are right now face to face. Who's my audience? That's my question. Who are you? What do you do? I need to know my audience before I start communicating with my audience and being able to dialogue with that. And so no different in social media. Who's my audience? Who is going to see this? Who do I want to, you know, to take and send this to, but then who else is going to be out there and how are they going to receive it? And then, oh, by the way, when they start, you know, communicating back and I start getting feedback, how am I going to react to it depending on who they are? Leaders trip across that all the time and trip across and make mistakes in, in that by not taking and working with that. But the importance of it is absolutely incredible. It's a matter, though, of how and when, you know, to be able to use it uh, in, in that way. Whether it's Facebook, TikTok, um, you know, LinkedIn, uh, Twitter, um, uh, you know, Instagram. I mean, all of those. You sound burst. There, there are. Yeah, you, you, got, you got a lot of them right there. You, <laughs> you hit on a lot of them. <laughs> so that, that's, uh, that's kind of, you know, my view. Absolutely incredibly important. I, you know, and information, and one of the things today, I mean, that you have, all of us have, but especially youngsters like yourself, are so adept to using, you know, you know, the tools of communication today. I mean, for me, it's like, it's pretty amazing. I can Google something and I, you know, look at a YouTube video. I mean, I can do about anything now and I, and I often use it. Man, I had the Dewey Decimal System and had the card catalog system. I had to go to the library and research and pull a book, you know, and, and, and took time to do that. And now it's instantaneous to be able to get information and use information there. So I, I think it's a absolutely incredibly important, uh, but it is in some ways from a communication, a tool to be used. And one should know how to use that tool uh, before they really start using it. Uh, yes, so, absolutely. but the but the elements of communication, knowing your audience, uh, you know, uh, knowing what your message is, uh, how to get it across, all of those things. Nothing has changed on that. It's just the medium, or media that we use is a different means today. It's definitely. It's almost like we need some mentorship, like focused on that for you know our, the folks that come behind us, like. Just the importance, you know, and and how words are powerful and and it's permanent and. Yeah, like that is going to be a part of like mentorship, you know, and part of our approach uh, and our advice and our lessons learned. It's just kind of wild to think that we'd be talking about social media to Airmen one day. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah it's but, a, the context and what someone's saying is very important. Uh, 
you know, the deciphering how the person receives the message uh, is oh. something that you got to think about. A absolutely. Absolutely. Not about. only content, but you're exactly right. Context uh, as well. I, you know, ours was in the, in the day, and it's still no change today. If, you know, if you're going to write an email to someone and it could be perceived with, uh, you know, emotionally, then you better think twice, maybe three times, maybe four times. And in fact, I, you know, a lesson I learned on that a long time ago is write it and stick it in the whole file. And then come back and look at it the next day. Maybe come back and look at it the next day. And you know, I've had a many over the years that I've not sent or that oh, wow. I've recrafted because of the fact that, oh my gosh, you know, I could be sending the wrong message not it's because now it's not the words it's how it can be perceived and how it makes someone feel yes sir absolutely oh i love that thank you so much for sharing that all right so we got time for one more question so i'm going to hit you with an afsa focused question given that we're at this awesome event right. and so our last question here for you chief is there's a lot of new airmen here their minds are blown being here seeing everyone heck my mind is blown i've been in 18 years i'm still blown away by seeing all the leaders come together it's a beautiful thing but my question to you is for those new airmen that are here you and where you're sitting what do you hope those new airmen are getting out of this experience i you know first and foremost that i i won't and i would like for all young airmen to realize and it was said on stage earlier but to recognize what they are doing and how important what they're doing is greater than themselves individually and that collectively working together as a team that they can accomplish so much more they're building relationships, they're building uh, capabilities, uh, they're being able to fulfill those mission requirements, but it really comes down, you know, and this was one of the things that I kind of missed, you know, early on, even being as committed, and I, and I was a gung-ho, you know, young airman. I mean, I, it was out there and it was make it happen and everything, and I wanted to be the best I could be, I wanted to be the best, uh, you know, airman, I wanted to be the best crew chief I could be. But you know, when it come time to re-enlist uh, in the force, I mean, do I really want to stay? How do I look at this or anything? And it was still too much about me. And it was not about what I'm doing and for the purpose that I'm doing it. And that, and that evolves over time. Uh, you know there and uh, but the value and then it comes back down to you know in every way believe and understand just how important what they do is in service to our nation and, I, and then I don't it doesn't matter to me if they serve four years ten years uh, you know 30 or 40 years that that understanding i mean i i don't want any airman to leave our ranks and not understand just how important it was to be able to serve our nation you know I, and you know of course a lot of people and i hear it and i was told this yesterday on the airplane and y'all have heard it too thank you for your service thank you for your service and you know and some and i you know and, and most most people really are sincere about that you know, but the humility portion of it is that, you know, and that airmen be take 
I served because it was important for me to do so, and what I did was important. It does, but you know, many, many people serve in many aspects and everything. But I think when people, you know, and, and that's the things I look from a resiliency, and you talked about resiliency. You know, when when airmen can start, you know, moving that in in the simple answer is service before self. But it, it is, in a sense, is that what I do is valuable, and what I do is valued by you know other people, and working together with other people and collectively together then makes us all better. And that helps in those aspects of resiliency and those times maybe of a little depression or those family strifes or financial issues and everything, you know, is, and then, you know, mine also comes from a, a spiritual background aspect of it too. I, I serve, a, you know, someone bigger than me. You know, and so I take it not only country, so it's that it's that God, country, family, you know, God and country is the fact knowing that I serve, you know, a purpose uh, that but there's somebody bigger than me out there. There's Absolutely. something bigger than me out there. Absolutely. Yeah. So that's, no, that's, that's what I, I hope that. You know, no, yeah, that is absolutely beautiful. And, and one big thing that's important to all of us, because I've been talking to people all day since I've been here in purpose gets brought up time and time again. And I think we don't ever want to lose that purpose. That's what brings you back. That's why you're still with our family right. all these years later. It's that purpose that fuels us. And so I think that's what a lot of the airmen are getting out of it. You know, maybe they haven't found that purpose yet. Maybe they're just now seeing it here. Uh, so I think it's a beautiful thing. I think you, you said it beautifully. Thank you so much, Chief, for your time. Uh, we are so honored to have you here, honored that, you know, you would take the time with this social media influencer initiative that we, we're trying to start here to bring us closer together. And uh, we just want to thank you from the bottom of my heart. So thank you. Thank well, you. the thanks goes back. Thank you all. Thanks for what you're doing, you know, here to make a difference. That's just so positive. I, I you know, I, I, I've come away inspired and, you know. I, mine is is that you know learn something every day and I, I just learned something here being with y'all and the fact of what you are seeing your purpose and being able because that point about purpose you know you can find your purpose in so many different ways there's the greater purpose of course I mean you can really expand this out or you can come to that simple piece of just what's my mission for the, you know the unit it was a big thing for me back in the day to produce an x amount of sorties or my aircraft could fly four times a day not one time and break you know how could i get that thing turned i mean so purposes can be boiled down to just simple you know types of things you know to expanding to the much larger and so thank you for that comment and for what y'all are seeing the purpose of what you're doing as well absolutely all right yes we appreciate you and for everyone uh that's listening uh this was chief murray with umu and hero front at afsa 2022 thanks everybody